Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Digitally Remastered. I am Digital Master Gaming, and I have a great schedule for today, great topic list for today, and I want to basically jump right into it. But we're going to be talking about leaked ships, the ones that have been leaked for IAE 2953. And also some rumors and I guess leaks regarding a ship or two that may be releasing later uh, or at least going on concept later this year, uh, pretty much in December. We're also going to talk about LTI insurance. I really wanted to talk uh, about this particular topic. Again, I'm trying to cater to like a wide audience here as far as Star Citizen backers, like whether you've been here from the beginning or if you you know, are brand new to being a backer of Star Citizen. So I really want to cater to that, like make sure that I'm not leaving anyone out here. So the last thing I want to talk about, though, is FOMO. And I think I, re I really, really want to end on that because it is a very, I think, is a very good topic to cover with you, with the community um, consistently, because I do think for some it can be a problem. Not, you know, it, we all have our impulses. We all have impulses and different, um, I guess, sensitivity to different pressures or, or impulses, if you will. And I don't want to assume that everyone, you know, it, that it's just easy to, to avoid <clears throat> that fear of missing out. So I want to pretty much talk about that a little bit and, and just get your thoughts as well. Like, again, don't forget, even though this is a solo podcast, I really want to solicit your participation get your thoughts on the topics discussed and you know get that back and forth so that i can you know maybe consider a new way of thinking about something or a new perspective that's really how we grow right we have our perspective based on our vantage points of different situations or you know different aspects of life and then it gets better or you have a great chance at improving your overall optics if you will when you communicate with other people get their thoughts bounce your ideas bounce their ideas off of each other um you know and pretty much broaden your horizons or broaden your perspective right that's where i believe good things happen in life so that's really what i hope that we can achieve with this podcast i really do but let's jump right in i do want to start first by Simply reminding you that there's multiple locations where you can listen to this podcast. Of course, primarily I release this on my YouTube channel, Digitally Remastered. And I have a main YouTube channel, Digital Master Gaming, where I do just, you know, presentation style videos and uh, guides here and there. Um, do check that out as well. But you can catch this podcast on my RSS feed. Um, and then it's also pretty much almost any everywhere i'm working on uh apple uh, it's not yet available on, on apple so that's the one thing i'm working on but right now you can listen to this on spotify amazon music samsung pandora iHeartRadio, and a few more so if you know if you have a favorite podcast platform uh definitely check it out there and if i didn't list like maybe your favorite let me know i, I definitely am very open to uh, adding it to as many platforms as physically possible. So I also do want to solicit your feedback again. You can pretty much communicate, me, communicate with me right now on YouTube. I'm working on expanding that, of course, so that you can have multiple ways to engage with me. 
Um, so keep an eye out for that. But that's it. Let's jump right into the topic at hand. Right now, I want to start with the leaked ships that we know uh, pretty much at this point. I'm, I think we're at a 99% confidence level that we're going to see these particular ships. But we'll see. Anything can happen, truthfully. But let's begin with the alien ship that we are expecting to see at IAE 2953. Called the Gatak Sayulin. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that name, but this is an alien ship. I believe it's a small entry level ship. I don't I don't know that I'm ready to call it a starter ship, but it could very well be. But it's a smaller ship. That's from the manufacturer Gatak. And it's supposed to be a cargo ship. So you can think of its bigger brother, I guess, or bigger sister, the Rylan. The Gatak Rylan, if you've been following Star Citizen ship development over the years, then that has been a concept. Uh, I believe a couple years ago, a year or two or three ago, I'm pretty sure it's within the last two years, I believe it was released on concept. But that's a bigger version of what I believe this ship is going to be. So this is pretty much like the entry level version of that ship. But it is a dedicated cargo ship, it seems. And so I'm very eager to see what that's uh, going to ultimately be like as far as like, you know, going on the inside and everything, see what the, that design is, because the Gatak manufacturer, we have no ships in the game right now from that manufacturer. So this will literally be the first iteration of that particular manufacturer's style guide uh, into the game. So it should be very interesting and a very cool experience uh, getting to see the first iteration from that manufacturer. But let me read the description for you. The Sayulin cargo vessel has been artfully crafted by the renowned House Gatak to be well suited for both human and Xi'an pilots. With the refined agile frame, the Sayulin lends itself to ferrying important deliveries across the universe or as the ideal ship for those making their transport career debut. And so it's those words that, and this is me speaking again, I'm finished with the description, <laughs> but it's those words that make me believe that it's going to be a starter ship. The very least, you know, an entry level in the sense, because for example, like you have the, you have the Aurora, right? That's that ship um, series. That's a true starter ship. But when you look at ships like the Avenger, I don't think that's a true starter ship. I think that's like the next level entry level type ship, right? So that's what I mean by that. So I would put the Gatak or Gatak Sayulin maybe in the family of like the Avenger series. Of course, um, like, for example, you know, the Avenger Titan, for example, that's a cargo. That's a cargo variant of the Avenger. I'm thinking the Sayulin is in that category. We'll see when we get there, but keep an eye out for that one. I think that's a pretty cool one. And probably personally my, well, it's my second most anticipated one out of the leak ships. And we're going to get to more, uh, the one that is my most anticipated momentarily. The next one is the storm AA. Now we already have in 3.21.1, the base storm, I guess I forgot. I don't even know if it has a specific name, but the storm. And that one just has a, I forgot the size gun it has on the top of it, but it's a gun in 
I don't know if it has more than just that. I'm pretty sure it does, but not much in the way of missiles, I don't believe. And if it does have missiles, it only has a few. So and I have to kind of look at that to see exactly what that is. But for the Storm AA, I'm going to read the description for this one as well. And then we'll talk about what comes with it. And I'm going to try to. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to try to put some images that were leaked on the screen so you can actually see what I'm talking about or what we have uncovered, I guess, from a leak perspective. So check out YouTube if you want to see some of that. But for those just listening on the podcast, I do my best to describe what I see. And speaking of that, uh, the Gatak Sayulin reminds me of something. It looks more like a origami <laughs> type. Not really origami, but I forgot what you call those little things. Um, I might have to find the, the, the word for it. But nonetheless, it's a really cool looking, very different looking ship than what we're used to in the game right now. It looks very much like the Ryland, pretty much. Just pretty, just a smaller version of the Ryland, to be fair. And when you get a chance to see it, you let me know what you think. If you think that's a good description. But to me, it looks like Ryland, just much smaller. So back to the Storm AA. Let's read the description. Originally introduced in 2606 during the Second Tavaran War, the Tumbrel Storm single operator mini tank was built to blitz battlefields and take out enemy artillery. Reimagined from the ground up to be faster, stronger, and more impactful than ever, the Storm AA is a true force of nature, equipped with a barrage of missiles to provide cover against airborne and ground targets. So, the Storm AA is really going to be, in my opinion, and I'll tell you why I'm saying what I'm saying in just a moment, but it's going to be a really good deterrent for the smaller ships flying in atmosphere right so if you're trying to defend a you know defend a location on on a planet or a moon this is really going to be a very powerful option including defense against um smaller ground vehicles um i'm not so sure how good it works against well i say smaller but smaller to even I don't, I don't even really know what the size category for vehicles like the um, the RSI Lynx, for example. I'm not so sure what the size category is for that, but I am pretty. I know for a fact this storm is at least the base storm is designed to destroy those. But this particular variant, that Storm AA, I'm pretty sure can also do some pretty good damage against those as well. And let me tell you why I'm saying all this. It is expected to have, and, and listen to this, 64 size one missiles. 64 size one missiles and, and 16 size two missiles. This thing is going to be able to put a hurting on low flying ships. It's going to be able to put some pain on small to medium-sized vehicles, I would say. Looking forward to testing it out to see exactly what its capabilities are, but looking at what it's supposed to come with, that is, that's, a, that's, some, that's some serious payload there. Definitely going to be good against your smaller fighters, I think. 
because don't forget we have the control surfaces coming in maybe sometime in 2024 when the control surfaces come in trying to outmaneuver some of these surface missiles and surface weapons are going to be infinitely more challenging because doing crazy maneuvers is going to be is going to come or become more realistic in the sense that you won't be doing these crazy maneuvers in atmosphere right so that i think is going to be an impressive change to the game and then that's going to give vehicles like the storm aa some serious utility some serious utility and i think i i'm very excited about what that entails so there you have it for that one now here is my most anticipated one and let me just sort of preface it with this last year john crew and the ship team were sharing that you know because you pre over the previous years we did the um we were picking the or pseudo picking the next spaceship based on some predefined designs that they would show us and then you know we would sort of vote for which one we wanted to see well last year they sort of showed the same thing but pretty much letting us know what was next in that that pipeline there and by the time citizen con 2953 was 52 was over we pretty much knew it was going to be the mining ship that sits between the Argo Mole, which is a medium size, or maybe it's even, no, I think that's a medium size um, mining ship, and the Orion. Okay. And so clearly we're thinking mining ship, and it, we're going to talk about it in just a second. But the Orion is a mining ship, but it also has refining, refinery capabilities in it as well. But you can imagine that, right? As a capital size ship, it's going to be, it's going to be a beast. Period. The mole, on the other hand, does not have refinery. At least I don't believe so. I'm trying to make sure I'm just not forgetting, but I'm pretty sure it does not have any refinery capabilities and it won't really have refinery capabilities. I could be wrong about that. I need to probably double check that. I need to probably double check that. But for what I recall, I do not believe it has refinery capabilities. But we will soon find out. And I'll double check that just to make sure I'm not wrong. So take that with a Big grain of salt, please. But this ship is supposed to sit right between those two. And so enter the RSI Arastra. And I'm going to read the description for this as well. And all I have is the description. I don't really see here much in the way of additional details on it. I mean, there's some screenshots that they have and some guessing about the size, the final size of the ship, which it does if their speculation is true. And I'm speaking about the, and I should be giving credit, by the way, to the leaks, to the pipeline discord. That's where the leaks generate from. And they, that's where all this information is coming from. So um, there's that. Now let me read the description here of the RSI Arastra. So with all the risk involved in mining the universe's vast stores of valuable resources, Robert Space Industries wants to make sure that choosing the right ship isn't one of them. The Arastra Industrial Mining Platform was concepted or concepted from the struts up with safety and efficiency in mind. Remote operator seats provide extra protection to your crew, 
The onboard refinery is ideal for a more profitable workflow. The automated mining, or I'm sorry, the automated mineral storage pipeline effortlessly prepares your gathered resources for transfer, and the auxiliary garage allows for increased operational flexibility while on site. This thing sounds like it's going to be pretty beefy and pretty capable. Um, and when you look at the image of it, it looks like a monster. It looks like a like a monster. And I'm and I love the RSI aesthetic, by the way. And it looks it looks pretty sleek, to be fair. But I'm only seeing a side profile of it. So there's still a lot to be discovered with it. So eagerly waiting. Um, the IAE event on November 17th so I can see more. I don't know what day that falls on, so it's not going to be exactly the 17th. Whatever RSI day is, that's the day we'll see this. And in fact, I can confirm the date for that right now. We should expect to see that. Okay, so RSI day is actually on the 25th through the 26th of November. So it's pretty much the second well it's not the second last day but it's pretty much the last manufacture day so there's going to be a little bit of waiting for that one but we will wait in in anticipation for sure there you have it i'm excited about that one i'm really excited about that i'm, I'm more of an industrial player I, I do enjoy combat though and i'm pretty decent at it to be fair but my full my most anticipated gameplay loops will be exp exploration. Probably number one is exploration, but also industrial. You know, I, I do plan to do cargo running. I do plan to do mining, salvaging. Um, I do also plan to do bounty hunting. That is definitely on the list and it's high on the list. So I'm one of those star citizen players that will be dipping their toes in pretty much everything. <laughs> you name it, I'm, I'm going to try it in some capacity. and some more than others. So that's the type of Star Citizen player that I am. Um, but now on to some additional rumors that these don't, these won't, or I have high doubts that these will be released during IAE, but more so maybe later in the year, if at all. And one is a Mirai, a Mirai manufacturer from the Mirai manufacturer, which is an offshoot of uh, MISC, uh, Musashi Industrial Starflight Concern. But this is Mirai. And it's supposed to be a heavy fighter. And so the teaser for that ship was actually shown during CitizenCon 2953 during the talk ship segment. And they were showing all these ships toward the end that were soon to be released. And this was the one that looked like the um, Fury. But just a much bigger Fury. And so that's what that ship is supposed to be. It, Allegedly, it's supposed to be the Mirai uh, heavy fighter. And that's pretty much all that is known about that, or at least all that there is to the leaks for it. So we'll jump to the next one, or the last one that we're hearing about, which is a Hornet F7 Mark II. Now, everything I'm seeing about this one is purely rumor. No screenshots for this. And... Yeah, I'm not finding much more than just that. It may be related to Luminalia drops or something related to that December event. I don't 
I didn't read all the way through that one. Um, and maybe it's going to be something like the gold ticket event. Who knows? I don't know. This is all pure speculation. So take it all with a grain of salt, to be fair. Um, but that is an interesting, interesting thing. And if it runs like the FHC event, that's going to be pretty cool. I really enjoyed the gold ticket event. Minus the drama tied to it. <laughs> but I enjoyed the, the actual event. It was really cool. Really, really cool. So that's really all I have about the leaks in regard to the leaks. That's all that I see, you know, you get more and more and more into speculation territory beyond that. But really cool. Those lists of ships and is making me excited about. Making additions to my fleet, I'm being very honest, I, I love. The hobby of Star Citizen, if you will, which, which extends to more than just the game for me, I enjoy the fleet building and all that wonderful stuff. Adding and moving from, you know, my current fleet, modifying things based on what I anticipate doing when the game finally releases. But let me know what your thoughts are on that. We're going to actually move over to LTI discussion, the LTI, the lifetime insurance discussion now. Let me know your thoughts on the leaks, though. In the comment section on YouTube or, yeah, it's going to have to be the comment section on YouTube until I get more areas where you can actually communicate and give feedback and participate. But lifetime insurance. I have a video up uh, about this on my main channel, Digital Master Gaming. And I try to go into a lot about that based on what we know. And then, of course, some speculation territory as well. I do urge you to check that one out. It's my LTI video. But let's talk about it even like right here in this podcast. I think it's a good topic to discuss a little bit because a lot of people, you know, I think you'll find the the main consensus for this is that you want LTI on every last single ship you have. And why is that? Like the reason that is based on everything I know, and then, of course, because I'm such a ship hobbyist. I've had as much experience as the next person with pledging for ships in Star Citizen. But LTI, in my opinion, it, it kind of goes like this. I'll tell you where I stand. Let's take that approach to this. I'll tell you where I stand on this particular topic. I feel like LTI isn't going to be as important as it's made to be <clears throat> by the community. I don't think it's going to be that important. I do think it's going to be important, though, depending on what it is you plan to do and how long you plan to play Star Citizen, right? Which is a very difficult thing to answer for pretty much everyone, to be honest. Right? We all have different levels of enthusiasm about Star Citizen, right? But does that truly answer the question of how long you will play? It doesn't because we don't have the final game yet. When the final game is here and we can really dig into all of the mechanics of Star Citizen, only then will you truly be able to effectively answer the question of how deep into this game you're going to get. And when we get to that point, that's when this question, that's when its importance increases, in my opinion. But only slightly, because let's look at the facts here. LTI is lifetime insurance. What does that actually mean, right? When we talk about lifetime insurance, that just means, you know, the policy, right? Right? I mean, of course, 
you don't want to do too much, you know, apples to apples comparison with real life insurance. But logically, what are the what are the details of, an, of insurance? You have to first buy into the policy or acquire the policy, I should say. And then you pay over time, depending on different factors that make up that policy, whether that's a fee that you pay when your ship is destroyed. Or if it's a monthly deductible of some sort that you pay so that you don't have to pay a lump sum when you lose your ship. Or if we're thinking if we're thinking like. Eve online, just to throw another game out there that does it very similar, that, that at least. Yeah, does it very similarly. When if your ship lapses, your insurance, I'm sorry, lapses on your ship. Provided you had insurance when that happened. You pay less than you would have to get the ship back. Right. The thing about Eve online, though, is if you let your insurance lapse and then lose your ship, you lose everything. I do not necessarily know what CIG is going to do about that, but my but the logic tells me that they're not going to let you lose your ship permanently. Most importantly, for those of us who have paid real money to pledge for ships like you, I don't think you're ever going to run into a situation where you permanently lose your ship when you've pledged for it. Now, will they have a different mechanism for? You know, for this, for those who pledge versus those who earn in game. Part of me feels like that would be a bad idea, right? To the point where your ship is only truly safe if you pledge real money for it. I don't think that's the way we're going. I think it's going to be unified in t- inside the game, whether you pledged or whether you earned it in game. I think there won't be that deep of a punishment for losing your ship if your insurance is lapsed. Now, I don't know at all. There's been nothing said about this. Not a single thing said about this from CIG. And I think that right there is what fuels this idea that we need LTI on every single ship. And and honestly, I'll say that I sort of agree. Because I have LTI on just about every single ship I have. I think there may be one or two that I don't have LTI on. And I'm trying to fix that at this during this IAE. <laughs> so I'll be like full of transparency. I am the pro LTI guy. Every ship that you buy during IAE and some of the other events as well, including the Fleet Week, it comes with 120 month insurance, which is 10 years. That's 10 years. So the question is, back to what I mentioned earlier, it boils down, not so much the question, but what it boils down to is how long do you expect to play Star Citizen? Are you going to approach this one like many World of Warcraft Warcraft fans? I personally think I will. I think I'll be playing Star Citizen beyond 10 years. I personally feel like I will. Time will tell. But that's what I expect from myself. Because when I fall in love with a game like like this at this level, which, again, I am firmly and deep into Star Citizen, I expect myself to play this for multiple, multiple years. I do. So as a result, that makes me want to have LTI that much more. Now, if it was one of those games that I'm not overly hyped for and it's going to be, you know, just going to be one of those games that I try or maybe play for a couple years. Right. And then move on. 
though that's a very difficult thing to forecast, you know, then maybe LTI is really just simply not important at all in that scenario, right? And then 120 months becomes much more enticing. It's like, okay, that's fine. We can definitely do that. But the only problem here is we get into the cost of securing LTI, right? Because typically it's only available on war bond purchases. And not everybody is able to just buy every ship they want or have the opportunity to buy every ship they wanted with brand new cash. It's, it, it's just, it's not, first, it, okay, one thing is not necessarily super realistic for everyone. And then beyond that, it's not even really justifiable for even more. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's not always about can you afford to do it? Sometimes is does it make sense to do it, right? So that's the only thing that, you know, I look at and say, and I think that's really, if there's any controversy around the LTI discussion, it revolves around that, right? If you're gatekeeping it so much with this particular mechanism of where I have to bring brand new cash, then please define it for me, right? At least that's where I stand. And again, I'm not huge on a lot of criticism unless it's absolutely warranted. (laughs) And I, you know, and this has always been one of those things for me where I'm like, okay, if you want me to pay full cash for it, and again, mind you, I'm saying this, yet I still pay for the LTI. So it's a bit of a conundrum for me, (laughs) I'll be honest. But on the other shoe, in my mind, it's okay. Well, you're gating it behind fresh cash. Can you at least define it for me? Define what it is. Define what it will be. And maybe they just, this is really what I resolved that it, that the reasoning is behind it. They, they don't even know yet what it's going to look like. So they can't tell you if they don't know themselves. But then that feeds back into my concern. If you don't know, then why gatekeep it so hard? Is it just truly used as only a mechanism to sell war bond pledges? Is that the only reason why? Logic says yes. All the evidence says yes. Because, you know, we all can speculate on how we would do it. We all don't know. None of us work. I mean, maybe you do. None of us really work for CIG to answer a lot of these questions. But but I wouldn't, if I can't define what I'm gatekeeping behind fresh cash or this particular mechanism of war bond where you need fresh cash in order to acquire it, if I'm gatekeeping the LTI behind that, then I'm probably going to give you some information to run with, at least some speculation or what we hope to achieve with it, right? But then again, I guess you do run into some sort of challenges with that. I don't know if it's legal challenges or not, but if they were to define it, would that put them in a pickle, right? That's the next question. Because what if they change it after defining it? Then what do we have on our hands, right? So there's so many moving parts here. And I think that's the reason why I have this conundrum because I'm, on one hand, I want LTI for the reasons I mentioned, but on the other hand, it's kind of frustrating not knowing what the hell it is, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's one of those things where it's a bit tricky. It's a bit tricky. 
So I'll leave. So I'll leave with a question to you. What are your thoughts on LTI? How do you feel about LTI? Do you feel like it's the only way to go, or do you feel like, hey, 120 months or 10 years is perfectly fine with me? I want to know your thoughts on that particularly for sure. And is it a big pain point for you that that is not defined? Is that a pet peeve? Is that bothering you? Does that frustrate you? Yeah, let me know your thoughts on that one. And I think this is a perfect time to segue into our last segment, which is the fear of missing out, right? FOMO. Starting off with a question, just like the last one, how do you feel about that? What do you feel when IAE comes around? Do you prepare for this event over the year, like leading into it? Do you prepare? Do you put money aside? Do you, you know, plan for IAE or are you one to, once it comes and you see the ships being released, you're like, oh God, that looks so cool. I need to, you know, are you, (laughs) are you that person? I've been on both sides. Full transparency again. I've been on both sides where I've made plans not to pledge during a specific year or in a specific year. And once it came along, they just so happened to release the ship that I felt was a no brainer. (laughs) And I'm like, God dang it. You know, and then I end up pledging for it. But then as of late and over the past few years, if it's, you know, I just sort of have or plan for it ahead of time because I don't want to put myself in a situation where, you know, I'm, I'm fighting with that. But also I have now to be fair, I have also had moments where I've seen a ship that I'm like, I really want that, but you know what? It's not justified. I'm not going to get it. It's a no from me today. Done that as well. I mean, you know, it's all up to you. It's based on your situation, based on what makes the most sense for you and makes them and is most logical for you as it should be. Right. So what are your takes on that? Either way, when we talk about FOMO, fear of missing out, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I do. I think a lot of people struggle with that and then they find themselves more frustrated than not when things change about a ship or, you know, it doesn't turn out to be exactly what they wanted or, you know, insert problem with said ship here. But I understand the challenge. I understand that scenario. I understand that pressure or that feeling. But if there's anything I want to say is don't FOMO. I know. Very original statement there. But don't FOMO. Because as you see over these 10 years that this game has been in development, all these ships come around again. And are available again for sale. And then utilize the twos of the pledge store. I have another video up that I hope you're checking out. If you're planning on pledging this year in IAE, please go watch that video. I have an IAE specific um, everything you need to know type guide about the pledging system in Star Citizen. Go check that out because it's one thing to participate in the pledge system. And then there's another thing to understand all the twos at your disposal when pledging. There's a lot of money to be saved when pledging. There's a lot of money to be saved when upgrading. So get to understand the pledge system if you're a one to get involved, right? And to make sure that you're leveraging it to uh, to the max. Leverage it to the max. Use your CCUs. Leverage the 
uh, upgrade the war bond upgrade options, right? Uh, leverage those, um, but get educated first because there's definitely a lot of pitfalls that you can run into with the pledge system. And so I guess that's really what I want to say here. Be careful. And this is really for the new people. Those of you who are veterans, of course, you probably really know very well what I'm talking about. But even you, it, it, even as a veteran backer, it's easy still to fall into some pitfalls that you, if you're not constantly playing with the pledge store and playing and modifying your fleets, then the less you remember these pitfalls, and then you go to do something again and you realize you goofed up. For example, if you pledge for something, it's locked for 24 hours. You can't melt it. You can't, you can upgrade it, but you can't melt it, right? So if you get into a situation where you want to pledge and you want to, you know, leverage an opportunity because some of the, for example, some of the war bond upgrades are only available the day of that they're offered. So if you make little mistakes like what I just mentioned, you can miss an opportunity. And it's a few little pitfalls like that that is good to be aware of, because at the end of the day, you want to exit the IAE event feeling good, not feeling bad. Right. So just some thoughts that I had um, about that. And I just really want to urge you not to FOMO. Right. These ships will be available. And then most importantly, these ships will be all of them will be available in game at some point in time. Most are already available in game. So never forget that and understand that there's always going to be an opportunity one way or another. Even if the pledge system stops at some point, which I highly doubt it will, but maybe it will. Maybe it will, right? But even, in, even then, you still have the option to buy it in game. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your opportunity in general to not so much pledge, but acquire a ship or a vehicle. So if I may make the suggestion, don't fall victim to fear of missing out. At the end of the day, it's not worth it. Your peace and your happiness is much more important. Your serenity, your mental health is much more important than flying an internet spaceship. Saying all that to say, please, once again, don't FOMO. Don't, don't, don't fall victim to the fear of missing out. The ships will be there one way or another. That's it for me. Don't mean to end it on such a such a note, but you know, from the positive side of that, I do want to end on that note. I want to encourage you to understand that it's not going away forever. The opportunity. It's not going away forever. It'll be back next year. And within the next six months, in fact. <laughs> for some. But yeah, I hope that's helpful. I hope that you enjoyed the discussion. Let me know what you think about all three of those topics. I'm curious about your thoughts about the leaked ships. I'm curious about your thoughts about lifetime insurance and the other alternatives. And also the fear of missing out. What is What has your experience been like when it comes to pledging in Star Citizen? Let me know. Regardless, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Happy gaming to you. And as usual, I'll see you in the next podcast or the next video.